Hello, gang. Welcome to Monday. Monday. This is Monday, October the 12th, 2020. This is Bob Bro, and welcome to the Best Old Time Radio Podcast. I am here alongside my faithful companion, Chester, who is working the board. Chester, how are you this morning? Good. He's very busily doing something back there, so I won't disturb you. What's that, Chester? He says good morning to everybody. Well, glad to have you with us. It's a new week. We are uh, recording this as we tend to do very early in the morning. In fact, as I look down at my clock, it is 4.45 (laughs) a.m. But because of my scheduling, that is when I need to do this. Monday is a day that we need to get started off with a comedy after putting in a long day Monday when, because I upload this to the server at uh, four o'clock central time every day. And I know that, uh, so you're listening to this after you've put in your workday, most likely. And I know you need (laughs) some humor to uh, temper down the frustrations of the day. So that's what we're going to give you today. We are going to give you another episode of Fibber McGee and Molly, which was one of the most popular, probably that and Jack Benny, most popular comedy uh, shows during the period of old time radio. And it was, they had over 600 shows, 600 episodes. Jack Benny was about the same. And and so I received several um, emails this week from people saying, thank you for finally playing a Fibber McGee and Molly. So I'm going to play another one today just to make them happy. And then maybe next week we'll get on to something else. So what you need to do is get in that big, comfortable chair, that one right over there, and get your feet up, get the ottoman over there, or go back in the recliner, and just let the cares of the day, all your worries and thoughts drift away. We are going to come back and entertain you with an episode of Fibber McGee and Molly, in just a minute. Monday, Monday. Can't trust that day. Monday, Monday. It just turns out that way. Monday, Monday. Something appalling, something for everyone, a comedy tonight. Nothing with kings, nothing with crowns. Bring on the lovers, liars, and clowns. Ah! Situation, no complications. Nothing portentous or polite. Ready tomorrow, comedy tonight. <laughs> Okay, as promised, we have Fibber McGee and Molly from April 27, 1948, as originally heard on NBC. The name of this one is Passenger Pigeon Trap, and McGee has uh, 
borrowed, quote-unquote, a book from Mr. Wimple all about birds. When Fibber finds out that passenger pigeons are extinct, he is quite sure that he saw one recently right in the neighborhood. When Mr. Wimple advises him that that's probably impossible, but if he did, it would be worth thousands of dollars, guess who's out looking to trap a passenger pigeon? So let's go back to April 27, 1948, for a very funny Fibber McGee and Molly. The Johnson's Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. The makers of Johnson's Wax Products for Home and Industry present Fibber McGee and Molly with Bill Thompson, Gail Gordon, Arthur Q. Bryan, and me, Harlow Wilcox. The script is by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie. Music by the Kingsman and Billy Mills Orchestra. Anytime you see a book on the table at 79 Wistful Vista with lipstick on it, it's because the original owner has kissed it goodbye. And here, perusing a book inadvertently left by a friend, we find a charter member of the BBOTMC, the Borrowed Book of the Month Club. <laughs> Mr. McGee of Fibber McGee and Molly. What are you reading, dearie? Wimple's Bird Book. He left it here last night And you never read such a miss of mass information in your life It's awful Well, if it's that bad, why do you read it? It's so garbled, it, it fascinates me <laughs> This book has got more wrong answers than a nervous housewife on Take It or Leave It <laughs> Look at the title, even American Birds and Their Habits They can't even spell habits, you see? Where? There Oh, that word isn't habits, dearie, it's habitats oh. Well, what I want to know is what their habits are Who cares where they have their habits at? <laughs> Any bird lover who reads this would throw eggs at the publisher. <laughs> Say, when did you become such a bird lover, lover? <laughs> Ever since the first time I had quail with wild rice. <laughs> what particular statement in that book are you quarreling with? Well, listen to what it says about the feeding habitats of the pelican. All right. It says the pelican feeds occasionally on other things besides fish, but it definitely prefers marine life. Now, that is ridiculous. Why is it? There ain't a pelican living that could get in the Marines. <laughs> Why? They even turned me down twice. Dearie, that isn't what that means. Huh? <clears throat> Besides, I think you're being too critical. After all, you're not much of an expert on bird life. Who ain't? You ain't. Huh? I mean, you aren't. <laughs> oh, the heck I aren't. <laughs> Who was it worked his way through high school raising baby chicks? And even invented a slot machine that would dispense them two for a quarter. And who was it that a chewing gum took his idea and beat him to the patent office? What chewing gum? Chicklets. That's why I say these people that write these... Come in. Oh, it's Wallace Wimple. Hi, Wimp. Hello, Mr. Wimple. Hello, folks. We were just reading your bird book, Mr. Wimple. Hope you don't mind. Oh, not at all, Mrs. McGee. I'm glad to know where I left it. I'm afraid I was rather upset when I left here last night. Yeah, we, we noticed that, Wimp. Yeah. Why? Did I do something? Well, we had the radio turned on to a political rally. Oh, I remember yeah. now. A deep voice snarled, Wallace is going to get the beating of his life. And I went right out the window. Yeah. <laughs> 
silly me. <laughs> hey, how are you getting along these days with her, Wimp? You mean sweet face? My, my big old wife? <laughs> yes. Oh, about as usual. We had a little tiff yesterday. Believe me, sweetie face puts up a tough tiff. <laughs> was it about, Wimp? Oh, it was nothing, really. Nothing? She came back from downtown with a new hairdo and asked me how I liked it. Man? <laughs> and I told her. <laughs> Frankly, sweetie face, I said, it looks like an explosion in an Excelsior factory. <laughs> I said, or a crew haircut with mutiny on the poop deck. <laughs> I don't blame them for dyeing your hair, I said, but they waited too long to embalm it. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. And then out loud, I said... <laughs> I said, it looks simply beautiful, dear. <laughs> My gosh, how could she object to that? <laughs> oh, she knows me so well. <laughs> She ignored the compliments on my lips and tried to slap the expression off my face. When I ducked, she... Oh, speaking of ducks, did you enjoy reading my bird book? Yeah. No. What? Confidentially, Wimp, this book is fuller of tripe than the inside of a cow. Oh, I beg your pardon, Mr. McGee. This is the finest bird book there is. This is the authority on birds. It tells about the dodo bird disappearing, the migratory habits of the snow goose, yeah. how the passenger pigeon became extinct. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What was that again? You mean about the passenger pigeon? Yeah, that. Well, it says on page 49, and I quote, mm -hmm. The passenger pigeon, which once swarmed over the North American continent by the millions, has become completely extinct. The last known passenger pigeon died in the Cincinnati Zoo in 1914. Exactly. That's just what I mean. That is a falsehood. What do you mean, McGee? I mean, I saw a passenger pigeon today. I've seen one every day for weeks. Oh, my goodness, Mr. McGee. If what you say is true... And it is. If you actually saw a real-life passenger pigeon, why, why, any zoo in the country would pay thousands for one. You mean thousands of money? Thousands of dollars for one pigeon, Mr. Wimple? Are you uh -huh. sure it was a passenger pigeon, McGee? Why, sure I'm sure it was a passenger pigeon. Hey, if they're worth that kind of dough, I could trap that thing and sell it for... Oh, my gosh. Where's my hammer? Where's my tools? i got to make a trap. Where's my screwdriver? I'll I don't know, Mr. McGee. I'm just a guest here. Oh, I know. I left it right here in the hall closet. No, don't open that door, McGee. Oh. That's a wonderful trap, Mr. McGee. Set it again. <laughs> Billy Mills in the orchestra and Little White Lies.
My goodness, McGee, I never saw you work so fast. Oh, I gotta work fast, kiddo. I gotta get a trap ready for that passenger pigeon before somebody else does. And it's all over town now. The pigeon? No, the news. Winkle's been telling everybody, and I've already had a call from the zoo and one from the bird editor. The... I'll There's get that. One. I'll get it. I'll be another. 79 Wistful Vista, Molly McGee speaking. Yes? Oh, yes, he saw one, and he plans on trapping it this afternoon. What? $3,000? Oh. Oh, no, I'm sorry. We can't do that. Thank you for calling anyway. Goodbye. Hey, who was that? That was the State Ornithological Society, offering $3,000 if you catch a passenger pigeon. Oh, my gosh. They wanted you to write them the minute you trap it, but we couldn't possibly do that. Why not? Because I can't spell ornithological, and neither can you. (laughs) That's very good reasoning. We'll sell it to a zoo. (laughs) Z-U. Boy, oh, boy, I knew the minute I saw that passenger pigeon. Oh, hey, I better get busy. It's Mr. Williams, the weatherman, McGee. Do come in, Mr. Williams. Thank you, Mrs. McGee. Hello, McGee. Hi, Foggy, old man. Hope you don't mind if I go on working. No, no, not at all. Is that a pretty good saw you have there? Of mine? (laughs) Well, it's all right, but next time get one with a heavier blade, boy. This would be okay for slicing bananas, but for sawing wood like this with nails in it, it's a little frail. (laughs) Thank you. May I uh, ask what you're building? A pigeon trap, Mr. Williams. Know anything about pigeons, Fogg? No, not very much. Although, like so many boys, I once raised homing pigeons. I once owned Featherling's Pink Nose the Fourth. (laughs) World's champion four times. Heavenly days. Isn't that wonderful? Wasn't it? Yes. (laughs) Then in 1942, I raised carrier pigeons for the United States Navy. Several of my birds were repeatedly promoted. One of them became a rear admiral. Must have been a fine democratic sight to see lieutenant commanders kneeling down to salute a pigeon. (laughs) Yes, yes. But the greatest value I found for pigeons was their use in carrying weather information from one isolated post to another when I was in Australia. Australia? How interesting. Mm -hmm. Did you see any kangaroos? Oh, yes, yes. I boxed three rounds with one every morning. But I found the ostriches more intelligent. I brought one home as a pet. He broke his neck one day in New York. Oh, subway accident? No, no, he got frightened on Broadway and tried to stick his head in the sidewalk. <laughs> well, I'd better let you get back to work, McGee. Good day, probably. So long. Sometimes I wonder how a guy with his imagination can work for the government when he might be making big money. Why, if he ever started writing that stuff... I'll get it, dear. That's another one. 79 Wistful Vista, Molly McGee speaking. Who? Press? What'd I tell you? Oh, no, I'm sorry. We couldn't consider an offer like that. Goodbye. Hey, gee whiz, Molly, you're turning everybody down. What was that, Dissociated Press or United Press? Wistful Vista Press Shop. What kind of an offer were they making? 398. They burnt your gray slacks. that job like you knew exactly what you were doing. I do? (laughs) Well, I always say that if you smile and work fast, you can fool almost anybody. (laughs) I remember one time when I was working... Hello, Molly. Hi, Fibber. Hello, Mr. Wilcox. Hi, Junior. Hey, what's this I hear all over town about you going to trap a rare pigeon, pal? It's true, Junior. I'm gonna. And this is the trap with which he's gonna. 
Well, that's a very elaborate-looking little bungalow, pal. You got a building permit for that? <laughs> no. <laughs> but if there's any trouble, I can square it later. You know what they're paying for a real-life passenger pigeon? No, and what's more, I think you're kidding. The passenger pigeon has been extinct for years. Oh, no, it hasn't. Everybody thinks they're extinct, but I happen to know they're still stinked. <laughs> and what's more, I know where there is one. Drop around here about four o'clock this afternoon and I'll... Uh, do you know anything about pigeons, Mr. Wilcox? <laughs> uh, Mr. Williams used to raise them, he said. So did I as a kid. I had one very unique little bird. Yeah. Walked with his feet pointed outwards. What was so unique about that? He was the only people-toed pigeon I ever saw. <laughs> Incidentally, it was fooling around that pigeon loft in my boyhood that really made me what I am today. And what are you am today, Junior? Remembering, of course, that there are ladies present. I'm always glad to have ladies present when I tell them what I am. Mm. I'm a Johnson self-polishing oh. glow coat salesman. Yeah, but what has that to do with pigeons, Mr. Wilcox? Why, that's simple, Molly. Every bride knows that when the cooing is over and the billing starts, small economies add up to large savings. And Johnson's self-polishing glow coat is not only a money saver, but a time and labor saver, too. Yeah, but what that got to do with the pigeons? Besides the years it adds to the life of your kitchen linoleum, glow coat also pays off handsomely in dividends of pride and satisfaction. Pigeons. Pride in the gleaming, well-kept kitchen, and the satisfaction of knowing that glow coat's tough wax film is guarding your linoleum floor coverings against dirt and dust and spilled things. Yeah, but those pigeons you raised, we were talking Absolutely, about pal. When I think of the happy years I've spent selling glow coat... I realize how much I owe to those little pigeons of mine. Oh, how cute. Bless their little hearts. Yeah. May I use your phone? Help yourself, Mr. Yeah, go ahead. I owe you a nickel anyway. Thanks. <laughs> Hello, operator. Uh, Wistful Vista 1096, please. Hello, Mrs. Wilcox. This is Harlow Wilcox, the Johnson's Glow Code representative, your husband. <laughs> Look, baby, I'm taking you out to dinner tonight. I know, but I'm hungry for some squab. See you at six. Goodbye. So long, folks. Goodbye. Oh, my, Mr. Wilcox has a very sensitive appetite, hasn't he? Yeah, he's a little like I used to be when I worked at the tea company as a teetotaler. Why, you never told me. You never told me that, dearie, that you used to total up tea. I never casually mentioned being a teetotaler and totaling tea for the Tea for Two Tea Company. You never did. Well, pull up a chair, baby. It was like this, you see. There were three of us there at the tea company, see? Two tea tasters whose task was to test the tea for taste, and me, the teetotaler, who totaled up the tea the tea tasters tasted as fast as they gave it the taste test, see? Yeah. Well, sir, those two time and tea tasters used to try to trip me up by tasting tea twice as fast as I could total the tea they tasted, and between their tea tasting and my tea totaling, we really tested tea. <laughs> They, they'd taste it, toss out the tea that tasted bad while I told the tea that tasted good, while the two tea taster tasted more tea in between the tea tasting and the tea totaling, the toe teetling, the tea testing, the tea timing. The Hold tea. it, dearie. <laughs> Company, come in, come in. Oh, hello, Dr. Gamble. Come on in. Hello, Molly. Hi, short subject. Hey, what's going on around here? Well, you must be the only one in town who hasn't heard, Doctor. Himself here is about to trap a passenger pigeon this afternoon. Oh, stop. Even little fall guy here knows there aren't any more passenger pigeons. They've been extinct for years. <laughs> That's what you think, Doctor. You and everybody else. But I happen to know they're not extinct. I happen to know they're still stinked. <laughs> He's going to prove it, too, Doctor, by catching one. He's got a great big trap. He has indeed. <laughs> 
He's got the great biggest trap in town. And the loudest. And the hardest one to shut. And the one... Oh, she means this pigeon trap I'm building, fatso. Oh, so that's a pigeon trap, is it? Yeah. Uh, How would it work if it did? Yes, you haven't showed me yet either, McGee. If it's as confusing to the pigeon as it is to me... Well, it will be, don't worry. First, I bait the trap, you see. Oh, with maybe some cracker crumbs. Well, why go to all that expense? Looks very crummy as it is. (laughs) Thank you. Okay, so I bait the trap and the pigeon walks into door A here, you see. Uh He's stepping on trigger B, which closes door C in back end. Proceed, Mr. Goldberg. Or may we call you Rube? (laughs) When the pigeon hears the door close, he looks around in surprise, sees himself in mirror D here, and thinks it's another pigeon here, see? You certainly understand the workings of a bird's brain, bird brain. (laughs) I suppose he breaks the mirror and has seven years' bad luck. No. When he picks mirror D, that rings bell E. Then I rush out, bring the trap in the house, open the lid, he gets loose in the living room, and between me and Molly and a butterfly net, it should be a sense from there on. Simple? No, it's much too complicated. The greatest ideas are the simplest ideas, like the way I used to catch rabbits. How was that, Doc? With a hairnet. Oh, where's my medicine bag? I'm making myself sick. Oh, it's out of the car. <laughs> the King's Men and the Dicky Bird song. A Dicky Bird whispered, haven't you heard? Spring is here, spring is here, spring is here. The little crows sang a happy hello, my favorite time of the year. A little frog sang a song on his log, lose your blues, lose your blues, lose your blues. And you and I fell in love in reply, on hearing the dicky bird's news. If you have to look around to find a reason for such a wonderful thing. You could blame it on the sentimental season Falling in love is done in the spring The bobolink looked at us with a wink And a boy and a girl, nothing wrong When you're in love, you'll go swinging along A-singing a dicky bird song Spring is here Spring is here Spring is here Spring is here, a little crow sang a happy hello, my favorite time of the year. A little frog sang a song on his log, lose your blues, lose your blues, lose your blues, lose your blues. And you and I fell in love in reply on hearing the dicky bird's news. If you have to look around to find a reason for such a wonderful thing, you can blame it on a sentimental season. Falling in love is always the thing to do in the spring. The bobolink looked at us with a wink. And a boy, nothing wrong. When you're in love, you'll go swinging along, singing a dicky bird song. Spring is here. Spring is here. 
There's the trap ready to set, Molly. Boy, oh boy, imagine picking up a fast 10,000 bucks just for bagging one pigeon. Well, it's nice, but do you think a bird in hand is worth two people like us spending so much time? Hey, what time is it? 3.47. Oh, my gosh, it's almost time. Well, it's time something happened. Look out that window. People all over our lawn. Yeah, I know. Newspapers have all sent guys, and the radio stations have got sound trucks out there. Kind of exciting, huh? Why not? It's like somebody trapping a live unicorn. Yeah. <laughs> or capturing a full-grown Democrat in Vermont. Mm. <laughs> Heavenly days, a pigeon that's supposedly been extinct since 1914. Oh, my gosh, another newspaper photographer. I've been famous for two hours now, and I'm getting sick of it already. You are not. Oh, you're loving every minute of it. You said it. Come in. Oh, my goodness, it's the old-timer. Hello there, Mr. Old-timer. Oh, hi, old-timer. I haven't got time right now to bat the bat, so if you... What's all the excitement, kids? Huh? Yards full of cameramen, newspaper reporters, and the flower beds are full of people. What's all the excitement? Well, himself here's going to trap a rare pigeon, Mr. Old-timer. Pigeon, eh? Yeah, rare pigeon. Papa used to raise pigeons when I was a lad. Is that so? Even now, when I wake up in the morning, I can imagine I hear them, hundreds of pigeons, fluttering past my window, murmuring, A.M., A.M., A.M. A.M.? What kind of pigeons were those? Morning doves, Johnny. <laughs> Afternoon doves go, P.M., 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 well, the one that he's after is a passenger pigeon, Mr. Oldtimer. Probably the last and only living one in the world. Yeah, worth a pile of dough, too, Oldtimer. Everybody thinks the last known passenger pigeon died in the Cincinnati Zoo in 1914. Yes, I know, Johnny. July 5th at 5.36 in the evening. Well, how do you know so much about it? I was there, daughter. <laughs> I was the bird head keeper at the Cincinnati Zoo at the time. <laughs> you mean the head bird keeper? I I mean the bird head keeper oh. used to comb and brush all the little heads. <laughs> Millie was my favorite, too. Millie. That was the passenger pigeon, kids. Smartest bird I ever took care of. Smarter than a human being in lots of ways. What you mean? Well, for instance, I hold out my finger like this. Can you jump up and balance on it for 15 minutes just by wiggling your tail? <laughs> No, but Chuck's... Ah, poor little Millie. Sure busted me up when she passed on. But I give her the finest funeral any pigeon ever had. American Legion marched, the Shriners drill team done maneuvers with bird calls, and thousands of school kids lying the streets waving little Harvard pennants. Harvard pennants? Why not American flags? This was the 5th of July, daughter. You ever try to buy an American flag on July 5th? (laughs) Now, just a darn minute, old-timer. I was in Cincinnati that week, and I don't remember anything about that like that. Johnny, you ought to. You was responsible for Millie's passing. How was I? Well, sir, there was a vaudeville act in town that week called McGee and Nittany. Oh, McGee and Nittany. Oh, that's right, McGee and Nittany. Snappy songs and witty sayings. Carried our own cyclorama and a magenta spot, and we opened Now, quiet, dear. Huh? I want to hear about little Millie. Go on, Mr. Old-timer. Thank you. Well, it, it seems like little Millie, out for an hour's exercise, had been seen flying through the alley back of the theater and heard part of the act. And that done it. <laughs> done what? She beat herself to death against the stage door trying to reach that corn. <laughs> Shame on you, Johnny, and so long, done. <laughs>
<laughs> I bet he made that up. Why, certainly. It wasn't the act we had that killed all the birds. It was all the birds we got that killed the act. <laughs> well, let's go, kiddo. I got the trap. Open the door. Come on. Heavenly days. What a mark. Quiet, everybody. Stand back there. Let me through. Come on, Molly. Come on, Molly. Come on out to the curb here, Molly. You can all see my rare passenger pigeon as soon as I catch him. He'll be here any minute. Quiet now. You'll scare him away. Quiet. Here he comes, Molly. There he comes. Look, Molly, the passenger pigeon. Where, McGee? I can't see him. That bus is in the way. Look on top of the bus. There he is. When I got on the bus, you hand me the trap. For now that I... bird? Why, that just looks like an ordinary post office pigeon to me, McGee. Oh, that's just a plain pigeon. That's a passenger pigeon. He's been riding on top of that bus all day. He's a passenger, isn't he? He's riding that bus. He's a passenger pigeon. That's a passenger pigeon. I tell you, he still stinks. He's been riding that bus all day. I think of the dough we could have made. How famous we could have been. It's disgusting. Oh, now don't worry about it, dearie. Well, this don't throw me, kiddo. I'll make a comeback. I can hold my head up. I can still smile. Good. And taught me one thing, though. That old saying is so true. Never count your pigeons until they're catched. <laughs> don't you get it, Molly? Jiminy, I says don't... It ain't funny, McGee. I'll say it ain't. It's disgusting. Good night. Good night, all. The makers of Johnson's Wax Products, Racine, Wisconsin, bring you Fibber McGee and Molly each week at this time. Be with us again next Tuesday night, won't you? Good night. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. And that was Fibber McGee and Molly from April 27th, 1948. The name of that one was Passenger Pigeon Trap as heard on NBC. Pretty good show. The um, The whole idea of a passenger pigeon has always intrigued me. I always thought a passenger pigeon was the same as a carrier pigeon. But I had to look this up, and it ends up that there's there's three different... Well, let me just read you what I got here. It says, uh, the passenger pigeon, or wild pigeon, is an extinct species of pigeon that was unique to North America. Its common name is derived from the French word meaning passing by. It was so named due to the migratory habits of the species. And like like they brought out in the show, it has been extinct since 1914. But it says both the homing pigeon and the carrier pigeon are the result of many years of selective breeding, starting long ago with the rock pigeon, a wild pigeon with a talent for returning unerringly to its home. The uh, carrier pigeon was bred for its beauty and the homing pigeon for its speed and ability to always return home. So there's three different kinds of pigeons. There's the homing pigeon, which always returns home. There's the carrier pigeon, which apparently is very beautiful. And the passenger pigeon, which is now extinct. So the only one that you can put a message on and it returns home is uh, is the homing pigeon. So now you know all about pigeons. They mentioned Rube Goldberg as he was describing his crazy machine there, his trap. Rube Goldberg was, of course, that cartoonist that used to make those really great machines 
that uh, would take a very simple task and make it very complicated. Look up Rube Goldberg. It, it would be too complicated for me to try to say anything on this show. I also mentioned take it or leave it. He mentioned be more nervous than a housewife trying to answer a question on take it or leave it. Take it or leave it was a radio show. It was a precursor to the television show, The $64,000 Question. On the radio show, however, they didn't deal with $64,000. The prize was $64. Contestants could win up to $64. So obviously the show took itself less seriously than, than, than the TV version that came later. Contestants were picked at random from the audience from glass bowls filled with ticket stubs. There were two bowls, one for men and one for women. But during the war years, there was a third bowl, and it was marked servicemen. Hosts were often loud in dropping hints to answers, especially for servicemen. Actually, you can, you can listen to it. Their old-time radio tapes are available of Take It or Leave It. One of the, one of the uh, hosts on there was Jack Parr in his earlier radio days. Let me see. There was something else I wanted to, uh, to look at here. Oh! They mentioned a, um, an Excelsior fire. It ends up in 1930. There was a paper warehouse in Pittsburgh that I guess was quite a spectacular fire, and it was called the Excelsior Paper Fire. And I guess that's what Fibber was relating to. He was talking about something igniting faster than a flame in the Excelsior factory, he said. So anyway, that was the reference there. That goes back to 1930. Oh, and Molly mentioned... Uh, it's as rare as finding a uh, a Democrat in Vermont. Now, I I always think of New England as sort of uh, left leaning, but according to this, in Vermont, the uh, Republican nominee for president, who was running in 1948, former Governor Thomas E. Dewey of New York, uh, won 61.54 percent of the vote in Vermont beating out incumbent President Harry S. Truman of Missouri, who only got 36.92% of the vote. There was a third candidate in there, I think, that got a few votes too. So Vermont, uh, at least back then, was very much a, a Republican state. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Love the history lessons and the things you can learn by listening to old-time radio. Well, we'll have more Fibber McGee and Molly in the weeks ahead. We'll uh, We'll put it away for a couple of weeks, but... They'll be back, I promise you that. That is going to do it for this Monday, October the 12th in the year 2020. Hope you enjoyed Fibber McGee and Molly tonight. We will be back tomorrow with a drama. We will be back on Wednesday with a mystery or a detective show. And of course, on Thursday, our Western and then the archive show on the weekend. Uh, going out tonight, we're going to listen to some songs from 1948. The first one is from uh, the Andrews Sisters, and it's actually a polka. And you'll notice the accordion in the background. I, you know, it. I don't know when polka. I guess polkas. Uh, if you if you listen to like Zydeco music, 
they have a lot of accordions, but you don't hear a lot of accordions in uh, hit songs. Maybe you do, and I'm not aware of it. Then we're going to follow that up with uh, Dinah Shore with a, a song that you'll probably recognize. And then finally, we are going to go out with Mr. Nat King Cole, who uh, had such a beautiful voice. My mother used to say he had the most beautiful voice of any man. But this was, I think, probably one of the songs that defined him. And it's haunting. Just haunting. So that's how we're going out tonight. We'll see you tomorrow. This is Bob Bro. I'm so glad you stopped by. And I'm so glad you met me. a girl in Switzerland There's a certain thing he's gotta do He can never, never take her by the hand Till he learns to tooly-ooly-doo When a Swiss boy goes calling On a Swiss miss in June charms her like magic when he yodels this tune beneath the alpine moon the echo goes higher and higher and soon there are both on fire when you get lonely now you know what to do
east is east and west is west and the wrong one I have chose. Let's go where I'll keep on wearing those frills and flowers and buttons and bows, rings and things and buttons and bows. Don't bury me in this prairie, take me where the cement grows. Let's move down to some big town where they love a gal by the cut of her clothes and I'll stand out in buttons and bows. I'll love you in buckskin and skirts that I've homespun, but I'll love you longer, stronger, where your friends don't tote a gun. My bones denounce the buckboard bounce and the cactus hurts my toes. Let's bamboose where gals keep using those silks and satins and linens that shows and I'm all yours in buttons and bows. My bones denounce the buckboard bounce and the cactus hurts my toes. Let's bamboose where gals keep using those silks and satins and linens that shows and I'm all yours in buttons and bows. Silks and satins and linen that shows and I'm all yours in buttons and bows. Give me eastern trimming where women are women in high silk hose and peekaboo clothes and French perfume that rocks the room and I'm all yours in buttons and bows. Buttons and bows. Buttons and bows. And flowers and buttons and bows. There was a boy, a very strange enchanted boy. They say he wandered very far, very far over land and sea. A little shy and sad of But very wise was he And then one day A magic day he passed my way And while we spoke of many things Fools and kings This he said to me The greatest thing you'll ever learn is just to love and be loved in return. thing 
just to love and be loved in return.